Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us today, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. Hey, my honor is to be uh, your pastor and for at least a day, and so glad that you're here with us as a guest. I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. This is why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So my hope is that we could be your spiritual family. Hey, if you are watching online, do me a few things uh, that will help our church. Number one, like, comment, and share. And then we'd love for everybody in our church to actually leave a review uh, and let everybody know in our city, hey, that there's a great life-giving church here in the San Antonio area. We'd love for you to do that on a regular basis. If you're in here uh, at our church where there is a lot of people, and if you're still watching from online and you, I'm telling you, you're missing out, man, people are back at church. And uh, come on, let them know that they're back. Y'all are back at church. And uh, you got to come. You got to come. You got to come be a part. It's going to be awesome. We're safe and secure. It's all good. Everybody say it's all good. So if you are in here, do me a favor, though. Will you uh, let people know that you are here? Or So send a text message right now. I'm at church. You should be at church. Or put it on social media that you're at church. And we're going to have a good time spend, spend, uh, spreading the message of Jesus Christ. We are wrapping up a series today called Let's Talk Family. And uh, it's been great. We're talking about the last four weeks just on family and, and what it's like to be in a family. Because how many of y'all know it can be hard? Because, man, every time I, you know, you, you come from a family, it was probably hard. You're currently in a family, it's probably hard. You left a family, it's probably it was hard. And so, man, there's a lot that the Bible has to say about it. But I'm going to give you a couple of ground rules before we wrap up the service uh, and the series today. Uh, some series ground rules. Number one, I'm not speaking as an expert. So you don't look at this as a moment where I'm coming up and saying, I got it all figured out. You should do what I do. And then when you do that, it'll be all good. I don't have it all figured out. We're all learning. I'm learning in included. And we're going to the Bible to figure out what God has to say today specifically about our marriages. And uh, secondly, um, I want you to know this is not the exhaustive list. Put this on your calendar if you can in february i'm going to be teaching a whole series on marriage a whole series on marriage i honestly could do a 52 week series on marriage because it's hard i'll be able to say it's hard yeah it's hard no, it's hard. It is. And so uh, it's hard. And so we're going to talk about it for one time today, and then we'll have a series in it, uh, on it in February. And then finally, I know that um, when it comes to family, I mean, it could be sensitive. How many of y'all know like some of the biggest pains and hurts and offenses that you and I have come from your family? It could come from your mom, your dad, maybe a relationship you had. And right now, I know sometimes just saying family makes you go, oh, it makes your stomach turn. And I want to hopefully give you maybe some, some steps, maybe some, some ways to see family differently in the way that God sees it. And so in week one, we talked about winning in family in general. In week two, we talked about winning with your kids because how many of y'all know kids can make you uh, crazy. And so uh, we talked about how to deal with that. And then week three, last week, we had our two-year anniversary. Come on, how many of y'all were at our two-year anniversary? And we partied outside. It was awesome. And there was food trucks and some, you know, balloons. And it was dunking people. We dunked Pastor Jason. It was awesome. And so if you missed it, you missed it. So I'm telling you, make sure you're at one of those things next time we do it. And then, uh, but today we're going to talk about uh, winning in marriage. Because we've been talking about how to win, you know, that like God wants us to win and run, uh, run the race to win inside of all of our lives and family. In, in a lot of ways, man, you have to run. You have to do it well. There's some strategy behind it. But we define what a winning family really was. We defined it. We said it was a group of flawed, right? We said it was a group of flawed individuals. Go to the next one. Group of flawed individuals, flawed humans, flawed people, right? Loving God and leading the world to love God. Like that's the winning family and God's formula. So what's great about that is no matter what family you're in right now, what family you come from, if you're a single parent, if you're a mixed family, maybe you merge two families together, maybe you're by yourself, if you're divorced, if you're a complete family, if you got a bunch of, if you're something in between and mixture of all of them, right? you can do that. 
You can win in your family. You can be a flawed individual loving God and leading others to love God. I promise you, God wants you to win inside of your family. And today, to win with marriage, we might be talk, tackling the maybe toughest one, okay? This might be the toughest one that you're, you better pray for your pastor. Just say a little prayer under your breath for your pastor, all right? Because last service, we had a fun time. I'm telling you, I think God moved. And hopefully this service will be the same way. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 29 today. Genesis chapter 29. We're going to look at an Old Testament, old school uh, uh, story where, uh, with, with some characters that are, are quite unique. We're going to look at Isaac and Rebecca's family, specifically a son that she had inside uh, of this family that, that wind up doing some odd things and had some odd moments. I'm going to give you some context real quick before we even go to the scripture that we're going to read today, okay? I want to give you an idea. So Isaac and Rebecca have two children. They have twin boys, one named Esau and one named Jacob. The Bible actually says that Esau was born and Jacob came right after him holding his heel. You ever heard that statement? And he was nipping at his heel. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You ever heard that before? That's kind of where this comes from. So he comes right after him. He lives his whole life. Jacob lives his whole life chasing after his older brother. Here's why you see in honestly the cultural ramifications of this because the dad winds up becoming, uh, he loves Esau. Esau is his dad's favorite. He's a daddy's boy, okay? And then you see Jacob, the younger brother, he's loved by his mom. He's kind of a, a mama's boy. So you see the split here and Jacob is looking to fill the hole that his dad has left because his dad doesn't love him as much as he loves Esau. In fact, he says it multiple times. And you even see in culture that the firstborn is preferred by the dad above the secondborn sometimes. And you see some of these unique cultural moments. And he has this moment with his dad. And you see all throughout his life warring, Jacob, warring with Esau, his older brother. There was this one time that, you don't have to go back and read, I'll tell you for you. Um, this one time Esau is described as a very manly, burly, hairy, very muscular, you know, just kind of just super masculine, macho, brunt, like me, right? Yeah, I mean, just look, at, this is what you're talking, this is, I'm just, I'm the epitome of what Esau was. And so just very, you know, just, you know, muscle, just, you know, that's who he was. And so the Bible talks about Esau, hunting all the time. And so one day Esau goes hunting and he goes out and he starts to to hunt. And he comes back and Jacob's at home making stew. It's nothing fancy about the stew. He's making stew. So he's making stew. See, Esau comes back and he asks Jacob for some of his stew. And Jacob says, I'll give it to you if you trade me your birthright, which is a big deal in the Hebrew culture. And crazily enough, Esau does it. And you're like, why would you do that for some stew? Which just goes to show you anytime you feel depleted in your body, you tend to make dumb decisions. So some of y'all need to eat. So anyway, um, the second thing that happens with uh, Jacob and Esau is you see towards the end of Isaac's life where he's about to die and give his, his blessing for the firstborn to Esau. That's a big deal. He's going to give his blessing, which actually had some physical ramifications to it, which means like double his inheritance. The firstborn always got double the inheritance and double the property. And so you see this moment happen where Esau's gone again and Jacob dresses up. I'm not kidding you. Like Jacob dresses up like Esau so much that he puts hair on his body so that when his dad, who was blind at the time, feels him, he can feel Esau. Like this literally happened. I'm telling you, y'all need to read the Bible. It's crazy. And so he's sitting there and he's feeling around. And so he thinks Jacob is Esau. Jacob tricks him. In fact, Jacob's word uh, name means deceiver in some languages. And he tricks him into giving him his blessing. Esau finds out and says, that's it. I've had a lifetime of you stealing things from me and acting cray. So now 
now you're going to die. And so he tries to kill him. Jacob runs off to a different part of the country, finds actually another part of his family, his uncle Laban, and has a weird moment that we're going to read now in Genesis chapter 29. Everybody say, okay. Everybody say, I got you. We're all caught up. Now you know what's going to happen, okay? Now this is the drama. That's not even the drama part. Now the drama comes. This is great. All right. Verse 16, he says, Now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah, and the younger was named Rachel. That's important. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes. Now, I find it funny that the Bible would go out of its way to say Leah was actually, they were being nice. Can we just say that? They were being nice. They are saying she was not... Um, she was not attractive. Can we just say it like that? She was not attractive. The Bible says, we just want to make sure you know that she had no sparkle in her eyes. I'm like, that's kind of odd. So that didn't pick up in our culture. So anyway, uh, but Rachel, and I thought this is funny. They actually say in the Bible, actually, Rachel was pretty good looking. She had a beautiful figure and a lovely base face. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. So then verse 18, he says, since Jacob was in love with Rachel, what a shock. A guy likes the pretty one. Okay. So Jacob likes Rachel. He told her father, he said, look, all right, here, I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm going to work for you for seven years, and then you give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. I like that's funny. He describes Rachel, the younger one. Let's clarify. The, the younger, Rachel, younger, wife. That's what the deal's about. Then he goes on to say, after a little bit, he says, finally the time came for him to marry him, so he worked seven years. And then he says, I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban, now give him my wife. Go get her. I worked so I could sleep with her. X-rated part of the Bible, but to verse 23, but then that night, then it was dark Then Laban took to took Leah to Jacob and he slept with her. So like, this is, this is like, if y'all don't think like the Bible's drama, this is drama. This is full on soap opera during the day. You got nothing else to watch. This is, you should read the Bible. It's crazy. So her, his dad brings in his younger, his older daughter who had no sparkle in her eyes while it was dark tricked him. And then Jacob woke up in the morning and said, what have you done to me? And Jacob raised the layman. I worked for seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? And he has this moment. He has this, this thing. He realizes, man, that's not what I thought it would be. Man, I, I thought what I was making a deal for Man, it didn't, it didn't quite turn out the way that I'd hoped. Today, the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is, is how to win, how to win in marriage, how to win in marriage. We pray with me real quick? Father, we just love you, God. Lord, I'm honored that today, God, you're going to speak to us about marriage. And Lord, we, we've read your scriptures, we've read your word, and I, I know that today you're going to teach us something. You're going to give us steps to have a great godly marriage. You're going to give us steps on what we could do, what we could do as a family to take a step towards you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things I love to do as a dad um, is buy my kids toys. How many of y'all like to buy your kids toys? Just, you know, you kind of buy them toys. Have y'all noticed that, like, isn't it funny how when you buy them a toy, have you ever had that moment where you buy the toy and they wind up having more fun with the box than the toy that they brought it, that, that was in it? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And so they, they buy a toy, and um, uh, and so I, I bought my kid uh, this unique toy this this other day. It was, he was younger. It was my son Titus. It was several years ago. And uh, thanks, buddy. And thank you. Oh, Hi. All right, so uh, I bought them this, uh, this shape thing. Uh, Y'all ever get your kids these shape things to teach them shapes? You know what I'm talking about? And so you got, you know, triangle and oval and I don't know, is that like a wet, is that a smiley face? Like that looks like a smiley face. So anyway, uh, they all look like smiley face. I didn't notice that in the last service. Smiley face, smiley face. Sorry, ADD. Anyway, um, so I bought them this, this toy, you know, and they were having a good time. And, uh, and so I gave it to them and they were having a great time. And then, and then it wasn't but three minutes later 
I heard a crash. And you know, have you ever, I just, I feel like I'm frustrated. Can I have a counseling moment with you guys? Just, I got to get something off my chest. Have you ever had just like where you feel like, I just want to give you one thing, one time, and y'all not fight about it. Come on, right? If y'all, parents, can I get an amen in here? Anybody? Like, well, you, I just want you to one time. I just want, just one, one time. Oh, no. Once, give you something. And you not fight about it, complain about it, wish it was something else. Just one time I'd like you just to be like, hey, dad, thank you so much for loving me and sacrificing and buying me this shape thing. I don't care if you're two years old. Tell me that. That wasn't even my notes. Second, so I see, I hear the crash, and I'm thinking instantly, emergency room moment, right? I mean, that you're just like, this is going to be terrible. My whole house shakes. I'm like, what's going on? And I walk upstairs, and no lie, this is what I did. I walked up. My kid was sitting, was sitting, was laying on the ground crying, and this was sitting next to him, right? And I was like, what happened to your toy? Like, what happened? And he's like, he couldn't, you know, he's crying so much that, like, he didn't even, he couldn't articulate what had happened was. So I'm trying to figure out what's wrong. Is he bleeding anywhere? Or is anything broken? Is anything really hurt so that I can get mad, right? Like, right? Yeah, parent, come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're just trying to make sure that they're not really hurt so that you can really, really get mad at them. That's really the goal of a parent. That's side note. You're welcome for that. Free parenting advice from Pastor Aaron. So anyway, I'm looking at him. I find out he's not really hurt. And then I'm like, what happened? What happened? Dad voice, right? What happened, right? <laughs> and he goes, well, Dad, you know, I, I, was having, I was having fun with it. This is his older brother, right? Wasn't even his stinking toy. So it's like, he, he's, he, said, he said, I put it on the ground. I saw it. And I went and I, I used it to step on to get to another area on the shelf that he wasn't allowed to get up there anyway, right? I'm like, oh, so you, you, oh, okay, okay, just add that to the list, right? You know what you do with that? You know, we parents, you make the list of all their wrongs, you know, even though Jesus don't do that to us, but we do that to them. And so we just make all the wrongs. I'm going to lay them out, each and every one. And so he says, I stepped on it. And when I stepped on it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't strong enough to hold, to hold me up. And I, I broke it. And I got hurt. Now, the interesting thing about life, especially when it comes to marriage, you know, people, people elevate marriage to an improper place in their life. They see it wrong. They see it wrong. And when you, when you see marriage wrong, when you make marriage the foundation of your life, when it's your everything, and you put your whole life on it, it wasn't designed to hold you, and it breaks, and you get hurt in the process. That's good preaching. <sighs> Amen myself. Good, good message, Pastor. I, I've been a pastor for almost two decades. Just take my word for it on something, okay? Every time I've talked to someone in marriage, Anytime a marriage is stumbling, anytime a marriage is broken, anytime it starts to look like a mangled mess, is that you made marriage something that it wasn't. You, 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 you. God created this thing to put shapes in. It wasn't designed to hold someone up. And, and when, you, when you don't see your marriage the way God sees marriage, you don't get what God intended you to get. When, when, when 
when we when we we struggle to see it correctly, we don't get the correct thing. And Jacob struggled with this. Think about it. Think about the pain that he was going through and the thing he had to walk through inside of his life. Didn't have the love of his father. That's a hole. Lost his mom because he had to run away. That's a hole. Warred with his brother the entire time. Was not in good relationship with his current family. That's a hole. Come on, you hear, are you seeing what I'm saying? And then he gets to an area where he feels and he says these words. He starts to look and he tries to make marriage the all in all to fill every hole that he's ever had. He steps on the box and it doesn't turn out to be what he thought it would be. When we do that, our life breaks. I'm going to give you three results of seeing marriage the wrong way. And then at the end, I want to give you maybe the final, maybe, maybe a good lesson on how we should posture marriage. But you need to know, because some of us are struggling right now, we have some of these results, and it's because you made a mistake like Jacob. The first result of, of, of seeing marriage wrong, the first negative result that it brings is that we compromise more than we should. When you see it, when marriage is your all in all, you always compromise more than you should. I'll read it for you inside scripture. It says, since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you give me Rachel. It's like when you read that to us in our context, in our culture, you're like, that's weird. That seems weird. But to them in first century culture, that's kind of normal. First century culture, you kind of see that when uh, when someone was going to get married, the father would marry off the, the daughter, and it would be the firstborn and then the secondborn, and that's how he would do it. And the man who was going to come marry the daughter, they would offer livestock or, or money or, or labor. So that's not out of the ordinary, out of context. But seven years, that is abnormal. That's about four times culturally. If you go back and study theologians in history, that's four times what that would have, uh, what would have been worth, if you would say it that way. That would have been four times what the normal guy would have, would have offered the father in order to marry the, the, the daughter. Does that make sense? So in that context, what you're seeing is, is that Jacob, because marriage in his mind was his all in all and wanted to fill all the holes of his heart, and he elevated marriage so much, he said, I'll do anything to get marriage. And when, when married, and when you say stuff like that, you'll do anything to get married. And you'll sacrifice and compromise and give everything that you can do. When, when, when marriage is everything to us, we compromise everything in us, period. And we do this in two primary ways. Um, when, when you're trying to find a mate, we do this. Like when you're trying to find your, your like, like when you're like looking for Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, when you're trying to find the quote unquote the one, which makes no sense biblically, but it makes all the sense culturally, especially to Disney. And so you're like, I'm trying to find the one. And so when you're looking to pick the spouse and when you start to hear your mom talking about, I wish I had grandbabies. And when you start seeing your sisters get married again, and then you're the eighth person after all your friends got married and always the bridesmaid and never the bride. And you're always watching everyone else get married. And you all of a sudden start feeling this like tension. And you're like, if I don't do this, man, it might not happen. And when you get to your life, when you're like, I got to get married no matter what, you'll do it. You'll get married no matter what. And your, your standards will drop and drop and drop to the point where you'll find your standard, your new standard. You started off with, I need him to be a godly man who is, you know, loves the Lord, loves me, has a job. Come on, somebody uh, is, is going to treat me right. Yeah, that were your standards. And then all of a sudden, over time, your standards become he's got a pulse. He lives. 
he seems like a good qualified because you look you know you know you know you 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 look at that and you you see some people get married and you're like how'd that happen <laughs> like you be you know putting garlic up in your mouth how'd that happen <laughs> well, that's how that happened marriage was everything to them so they just found the first person they well, marriage was everything to that other person And then it doesn't last. And then you're like, oh, well, yeah, I guess I guess that makes sense. Second way we do this is we we um, we do that in keeping the mate. This is when you see like the lady. Drop all her standards to keep the guy. And she gives everything to keep everything. Why? It's because it was everything to her. And as Christians, we're not called to lower our standards. We're called to hold the standard. When the culture lowers the standard, we hold the standard. When the social media lowers the standard, we, we hold the standard. When our schools lower the standard, we, we, we hold the standard. Come on. When, 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 our, when our, our, our friends lower the standard, we, we hold the standard. Well, everybody else was drinking. I, I guess I should. No, 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 no. Come on. Right? When, 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 when the world around us lowers, we hold. That's the Christian principle. Number two, as we keep going, this wonderful world of marriage, we become demanding. When marriage is your all in all, have you noticed that when you are looking at your spouse to give you everything, you become demanding? Jacob was, I'll show you, he says like this, is finally the time came for him to marry her. He says, I'm going to get married to fulfill my commitment, my agreement. The contract is ready. Now go get my wife. Go get her. What he was saying really was, I did my part. Now you do your part. And when you see marriages, you're all in all. You start to do weird things. You know, you start putting like weird um, expectations on your spouse that they can never really fulfill. And you start to demand. You start saying stuff like that. Dad, guys, we do this, don't we? Go to work. Work all day. Come home. Say, woman, did my part. Made the money. Make me the dinner. Come on. That food. Give me a sandwich. Hurry. Hungry. Right? Just me? Okay, that's just me. All right. That's fine. Y'all want to lie? That's fine. That's, Lord, you see him. Or lady, ladies, you know, sometimes the guy, we do this, guys. You, if we're honest, we do it. We talk our wives into something. Hey, we're going to move to another city, to another state, to another country. I just need you, babe, just go with it. Just go with it for a moment. It's going to be okay. It's going to you hug and you love. It's all good. And then you get to that city and she's like, I did what you wanted. Now it's time for you to do what I want. Buy me something nice. Come on. I did my part. You do your part. And marriage is no longer a moment where we sacrifice. Now it's a bargaining chip. So I did mine. I did what I'm doing. I do what I'm doing. How come you don't do what you're doing? I was sitting with my wife the other day and we were watching TV. We weren't watching TV. I don't, does anybody even watch TV anymore? Like, I used to say we used to watch it. You know, I've been a pastor for a while. We were preaching. You used to say things like, I was watching TV, you know. You know, I went to Blockbuster. You know, you say stuff like that, you know, back in the day. Anyway, um, we were watching Netflix, I think is what it was. And um, just watching. And uh, I said, babe, can we, can we just watch what I want to watch? Come on, I'm going to watch what I want to watch. She goes, What? I said, and, and, and okay, so I know none of y'all do this. Other churches do this. I started listing all the things and how I'm a good dad and a good husband. Because she forgot in that moment. So I pulled out my list. And babe, let me tell you what. I mean, I make money for us in this family. You know? 
I mean, I watch my kids when you go out with your friends. I make dinner sometimes. Sometimes I clean up after myself. I throw my underwear close to the hamper. I mean, come on. Come on. I did my part. What, can you do your part? I said, can I please watch what I want to watch just one time? She goes, you want a cookie for you doing what you're supposed to do? <laughs> and then I said, I said, I said, I said, psh, 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 psh. you know, when you guys, you know, you get caught. And then you just say random things when well, your hair is ugly or something, you know, you just say, be, be mean. And she goes, we're built on con covenant, not contract. She goes, you're here for me. I said, oh. All right, what do you want to watch? <laughs> and she says, covenant, covenant, covenant is, is marital. Co covenant means blood. Blood was spilled. Blood means sacrifice. Blood means I gave you something. And any time a marriage is built on contract, you know, contract is weird, right? Because contract, when I write a contract, I'm protecting me. When I, when I enter into a covenant, I'm protecting them. So, 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 so when you see marriage as everything, you can become demanding and all of a sudden, all of a sudden you stop sacrificing, right? Well, as Christians, we're called to sacrifice, we're not called to demand. Last one, last one is this, is we end up dissatisfied. Jacob says something funny. It's kind of interesting. So, you know, the, the whole key of it comes in this verse. He says, but that night when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob and he slept with her. Um, and, and, then, and then when Jacob woke up in the morning, he realized it was Leah. And then he said, what have you done with me? And Jacob got mad at Laban and he said, I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you why have you tricked me? The funny thing is, is that at the end of the day, Laban didn't really trick Jacob. Jacob tricked himself because he realized like he, 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 he have you ever noticed that when you when you when you make marriage something that it's not, um, you, you can go to bed with Rachel and wake up with Leah. When, when you make marriage higher than it is and something that it's not supposed to be, you you enter into the cup. Do you remember when you got married? And you stood in front of your beautiful wife, your ripped, handsome husband, right? <laughs> Babe, come here. Come on. I didn't even do this in the last service. My wife's going to come up. I'm just going to have her come up. She didn't even know I was going to do this. Babe, you just, that's powerful. I like that jacket. All right. So, so you know, when we stood and we just, we'd be like, do you remember that? And I remember, and you were so pretty. What? Yeah. You, no, you are. <laughs> You are. You are so pretty. You were pretty then. You're pretty now. You're always pretty. You'll be pretty forever. Okay, so, so you're, just, you're just, just powerful. You're standing there, and you're white, and it was, you know, it was like dress, and it was just holy. It was awesome, and you just looked pretty. And in that time, I looked at, you looked at me, and I had taken a shower, and, and I, you know, I had, like, shaved, like, for the first time in months, and, like, you know, I had brushed my teeth, and you were like, like I looked good. I was in a tux. I looked good. You know what I'm saying? I was powerful. I'm telling you, I was just, anyway. So I was good. 
And so, but when we were standing there, I just, I remember, like, when I was looking into your eyes, I felt like this, 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 this is, this is marriage right here. This is marriage. She can do no wrong. She said, remember what you used to say, we, we say, you said, for richer, for poor, for sickness and in health. And I'm like, this is powerful. She's going to love me forever. This is marriage. And, and I realized after we got married and then I, I went to bed after one night, that wasn't marriage. That was a wedding. And, and I, you know, I found out later you were saying those things because the minister told you to say them. <laughs> and, and what's funny is if you're not careful and you see marriage the, the wrong way, right? Like if, if I see this moment as the wrong thing, I, I, can, I can go to bed with who I think you're supposed to be. And inevitably I wake up with someone else. Because then I, you know, I change back into the frog. Right. You, 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 you don't have the wedding dress on anymore. It's different. Thank you, baby. It's I think I think I think um, I think after a while, if we're not careful, we could see marriage wrong. And you elevate that person wrong. And then when they do something wrong, you feel like you got cheated. Jacob felt like, come on. Right. Anybody ever do that? Where you, you got married and you've been married for so long and then all of a sudden you had this fight and you realize, I, saw, I got cheated somewhere in this. Somebody tricked me. Right? And if you're not careful, you, you end up with what Jacob had, which is really not what, what even Jacob, Jacob wanted. Now, I'm going to close with this thought. I told you... I, because I kind of gave you a dissertation on what happens if you see marriage wrong. Here's here. How do you I, really? It's 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 how to lose in marriage. But but how do we win in marriage? I'm going to read you a verse that we didn't read. It was kind of the close to the story of Leah. Now the context of this is that Leah has now had uh, multiple children, and the child before this, we realize and see that Leah now sees marriage inaccurately. So first we realize Jacob is trying to see marriage as his own all, and Leah's doing the same thing. In fact, you see Leah have a child with Jacob, but she, she says these heartbreaking statements. Maybe now my husband will love me. And, and I've met women who have said that. If I just do this, maybe now my husband will love me. Husbands, you might be in your, and you say, saying, if I just get that, that, that job, or if I just buy her that, maybe now my wife will love me. And you're looking to your spouse to give you something she can't give you, something he can't give you. And Leah gets it. She snaps in verse 35. She says, this. she says, go back, go, go back to the verse 35. Once again, Leah becomes pregnant and gave birth to another son, and she named him Judah. I have a son named Judah. It means praise. And, and, and here he said, she said, now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. The, the key to a winning marriage is found in that verse. It's now I will praise the Lord. Everybody say that with me. Say now I will praise the Lord. Come on, everybody in here. Say it with me again. Now I will praise the Lord just for fun because we like to say things over and over again. Say now I will praise the Lord. She says that because she realizes at the end of the day, that man can't give me anything. Unless I got everything from, from God. You see it? I realize now I got to start with my relationship with God 
and then in my relationship with God, then, 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 then all the other stuff is, Jesus talked about this with the disciples. They asked him this question. They said, what's the greatest commandment? I'll show it to you. He says, said, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus says this. He says, he says uh, to love the Lord your God. Go ahead, next verse. He said, the, 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 you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. He didn't say, hey, uh, what's the most important commandment? Get married and make sure that you love her and he loves you and you guys have a great relationship. And then everything will be added unto you. He actually said, first, God. You, you, you got to be right with God because the only way you're going to love that man is if you got God in your heart. Come on, somebody. Come on, ladies. Right? The only way you're going to love that woman when she's, she, she, she you know, you don't know, Pastor. She, she don't treat me right. She don't do that. The only way you're going to love that woman is if you love God as much with all your soul and all your heart and all your strength. He's got to be everything inside of your life. And you can't be the, you know what's interesting? I didn't even say this in the last service. Um, Jesus comes from the line of Judah and Leah. Like if you look at the bloodlines, Jesus came from that. You could say mankind won when Leah realized that God was number one. Your marriage will win when you realize God is number one. You, you have to keep him at the center. We used to do this back in old school. If y'all grew up in church, anybody grew up in church, just go up in like Christian church or reality like that. Um, in youth group, we used to do this. I used to, be, uh, I used to be a youth pastor for 10 years. We used to do this. It was kind of an easy, um, uh, it was an easy uh, like object lesson. And we used to take a triangle and we put it up on the screens and I didn't give it to our team so they don't have it. But just imagine a triangle, okay? A triangle. And um, we would put God at the top of the triangle and we would say, stop trying to find your one. Stop trying to chase after the one. Stop trying to get in a relationship. Because when you're a teenager, all you be trying to do is get with people. You know, you just be like, she's pretty. I want to date her. He's good looking. I want to date him. And you just be trying to just, you know, you just, and that's when you make mistakes, right? You just do dumb things when you're, when you're a teenager. And so, but when you make God your number one, we used to say, you guys are over here and it seems like you're so far apart. And, and it doesn't work when you try to come close to, it doesn't work. But when you get closer to God, it's weird. If you're chasing, if you got one, here's a winning marriage. You got one spouse chasing after God, and then you got another spouse chasing after God. And the closer you get to him, the closer you get to each other. And we used to say that, like for teenagers. But I'm telling you, it works in our marriage. Because if you just focus on your relationship with Christ, it will give you the ability to truly love your spouse. God designed marriage that way. That's the way it was designed. And so if you don't have God in your marriage, it ain't going to work. And so my hope and my prayer for you is that we would learn that a winning marriage is simply this. It's two flawed people. Come on, come on. Two flawed people. Loving God, leading others to love God, your kids, your family, your, your, your friends, and serving the needs of each other. You want to win? We do that. You make God your number one. And I pray that when we do that, you will win in marriage.